Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello. Dave. Hey. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start everything every week with good thing. And so, Craig, what's your good thing? Uh, so I started playing a game two days ago. Um, it's it's an early access, and I'm a bit late to joining this train, but it's called Dyson Sphere Program, and I'm already pretty well addicted. Um, so Dyson Sphere Program, if you guys are familiar with Factorio, it's Factorio in space. Um, if you're not familiar with Factorio, well, oh boy, buckle up, guys. Mm-hmm. So I got to tell you. So Factorio is another good thing. Um, came out a number of years ago now, but it's like a base building automation centric type video game where you're the goal is to build a factory or a number of factories to produce things. Um, if you've ever played any mod packs for Minecraft, uh, typically that's the focus as well. It's all about trying to do automation. Um, there's games like Satisfactory, which is based on the Factorio idea. Now this Dyson Sphere program. It's it's about it's sort of like I can't I can't call it a puzzle game because it's not a puzzle game, but there is puzzle elements in trying to determine how you can efficiently build your machines so you can automate all of the thing. Now Dyson Sphere program, the goal is to build a Dyson Sphere. Um, which is a thing that encapsulates a star to get all of the energy from that star. It's it's like sci-fi, super high-tech sort of thing, um, which is a really cool principle, in my opinion, because um, you don't just... That's not just, like, the end goal of this game. You actually build it in pieces, so I've already gotten to the stage. Like I said, I played two days ago, I started, um, and I'm already throwing up solar sails that orbit around the sun to capture energy, and it transmits it to whatever receipt like i just put down a receiver and i get energy um so i've already started and like it's really cool that you can see this stuff as i mentioned it's in space so you although you start on a planet you will travel to multiple different planets in whatever solar system you're in or you can even eventually have interstellar travel and warp to other stars and and get resources from there instead um so it's really cool um it's very easy to play and and automate like it's to me it's a little easier to play than factorio because factorio is a lot more bogged down in the details that you have to do a lot of little things this makes it easy to do those little things if that makes i, I know i'm being a little bit vague if you those of you who have played factorio i could pair it like that but it's it's more about just building the factory and everything now i think it is still in early access so i'm not sure what else they're going to add but it already seems like it's a pretty full game from what i can tell because there's a lot already to do so i mean i already recommend it i think it's like 20 bucks so you know it's cheap uh cool i think i saw fruit bats streaming it a couple times yeah i i'm i'm pretty sure uh he streamed it that's it that's all i have for that uh so i guess dave what's your good thing oh boy my good thing this week is fire emblem uh, specifically, the first Fire Emblem game released in the West, also known as Fire Emblem 7 or Fire Emblem The Blazing Blade for Game Boy Advance. I just started playing it 
less than a week ago and well there was a, a span of two days i streamed it for over 20 hours <laughs> in back-to-back -back days total over 20 so like 30 plus hours of streaming it this week uh man i tactical rpg um but it really makes you think because um every decision that you make has a like a permanent uh a permanent effect on your playthrough so it's like rpg several hours but like don't mess up <laughs> um so yeah that's really good uh really fun characters cool story great music um and and how did you mess up dave oh you can watch my playthrough bots if you want i didn't get it i gave all my experience points to my top level guy that's how i messed up that's i mean that's that can be a problem, but I was thinking of a more specific thing fairly early on. Oh, that's all right. Okay. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to spoil it. Well, like I don't want to spoil game mechanics, but I'll just say that uh, you don't get to go back in the game, and so like there's a limited number of resources, including like experience points, money, shop items, and stuff like that. So, like in Final Fantasy, you skipped a sword that you need for Endgame. It's worse than that. Oh, really? Okay. No, I mean. I think you can probably make do with uh, a lot of setups in the game, especially since I'm on the first playthrough. It's like normal mode too. So, but yeah, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to spoil game mechanics too much. Um, I want. I want you at home to try it out for the first time and be surprised like I was. What what system is this for? Game Boy Advance. But I mean, there are Fire Emblem games on many different consoles now. Uh, do you know if it's been like re-released on anything current? Uh, probably. Like Wii U eShop would be the last release. That's not even current. Dang. Okay. All right. Uh, so my good thing this week is a series of books by John Scalzi. The first is Old's Man, blah, blah. Old Man's War. Uh, the second is The Ghost Brigades. The third is The Last Colony. I don't want to say the name of the fourth book because it's a mild spoiler. And if you haven't read the second book. Uh, the fifth book is The Human Division, and the sixth book is The End of All Things, which is not necessarily the last book in the series, it's just the last one that's been released so far. And, yeah, I just started the fifth book. They're all phenomenal. The first, um, the first book is Starship Troopers fanfic. Like, just straight up, John Scalzi says it's that. Yeah. Um, but starting with the second book, it really becomes its own thing, and it's great. And, like, each book is sort of its own, I guess, style. So, like, the first book is very much um, Starship Troopers fanfic. The second book puts you in the head of a completely different character. Um, the third book is, like, different characters doing completely different things. The fourth book is the same events from the third book, but from a different perspective. The fifth book is, like, a short story collection. Like, it's all over the place. And I'm really, really enjoying it. So... Tori, what's your good thing? I posted in Discord about it, but I'm just going to repeat that. Uh, I got an article published on Nerdist.com. There's a link in our Discord. I was really proud of myself for getting an article published in a semi-professional place, and they paid me, which is which is awesome. I, usually when I write on the internet, I do it for free, and now I have been paid to do that, which is every every writer's dream. So, go me. Tori made me cry. Yeah, you know, it's... congrats, Tori. Not on making Dave cry, but on <laughs> well, it is a feat. Oh, yes, it, it is a feat. Uh, con congrats on making Dave cry. Also, <laughs> it's an excellent article. 
and I also got pretty weepy reading it. Jerk. That was my intent. And now that you've been paid to write, you can expect never to write for free again, unless you really, really want to. Oh, I'm still going to write things for free. I just like to write. Um, anyway, the link to that is in our Good Things um, channel in our Discord. But yeah, great article. Really enjoyed it. Uh, so Dave, what what else Edgy. did you read that, that made you cry this week? Uh, Fire Emblem. Well, listening to the song make, made me cry a little. It's good. Oh, you know what? I, I listened to uh, while I was driving this morning was the soundtrack to Shining Force 2. And, like, Shining Force 2 is another tactical RPG like Fire Emblem, but, like, they're they're really different games in the way they play out. But just, like, kind of the emotional and growth influence that Shining Force 2 had on me as a kid, like, it's kind of bringing that back a little bit with, like, all the different anime-style characters and, like, fantasy storyline and all that. But that so, you know, it kind of, kind of brought back some nostalgia tears. But uh, I, I read something that didn't make me cry. It was chapters 66 through 68 of uh, Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. Is that the right chapter? That I miss one? Yeah, 66 through 68. That's right. Yep. It's what Craig has up it. on his stream, so I assume that's right. Has he finally That streaming? is a bad assumption, Mike. <laughs> you, you don't know. Okay. Chapter 66 is titled Storm Blessings. Kaladin's big dumb brain lies to him. Oh. Nobody will do this again. Real quick, at, can yeah. I read the very first thing in the Copper Mind? Oh my gosh, I was thinking the same thing, Mike. It's just one sure. quick little line, and it's wonderful in the Copper Mind summary. Kaladin mopes in his cell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's that, that's all they that, had right? to write for the beginning of this chapter. I mean, that's it. <laughs> but you know, the depression acting up again, and kind of his brain betraying him, and you know the. The negative perception that his big dumb brain wants to see overriding the objective reality that he knows to be happening in this situation, right? I mean, <sighs> to give him some credit, I mean, he, he does suffer from actual legit depression. And when you're just sort of locked away in a cell for a month or whatever it is, and all you have are your thoughts. Dreams. I mean, I guess he has still, but I don't know. He, he gets to a really dark place. So we make fun of him moping, but I'm not making fun of him. I mean, I, 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 I'm making fun of. Well, you guys how were the words are. But yeah, it's. I mean, this is sort of serious. I could see how someone gets into a really dark, like, spiral from this. Yeah, but it was just kind of like all the stuff coming back from when he first entered the bridge camps. Um, but yeah, nobody will do this again. Adolin goes to sympathy prison, which is <laughs> a lot nicer accoutrements than regular prison. But you gotta hand it to the guy for doing something, you know. Uh, Amaram's reputation is too good to be true. Kaladin is now a... Moash is now a shard bearer. Oh, I'm glad you fixed that. <laughs> shard up is now a word. It's one word. S-H-A-R-D-U-up. D-U-P. Shard up. As in, they had to shard up Moash. Uh, Three-week-old stew. I don't know if that's really flavorful or really flavorful in a bad way. Oh, I could talk about that. All right, and Moash's friends are right. Go ahead. Oh, you want to know about stew? So that was yeah, something right. they, they used to the do. Maybe, maybe Tori knows. That's what they used to do back in the Middle Ages, where you would just have a oh, stew. Wow, dude, shots fired. She's not that old. No, she studies. I didn't mean it like that. I, I knew what you meant, things. but that's hilarious. 
Um, but you, you would have a stew just brewing for weeks in. <laughs> and and because it's always hot, it wouldn't actually have bacteria and stuff. So it's actually that makes sense. I thought about that too. Like if he's actually keeping it hot that time, yeah. Yeah, uh, cool. I forget the term for it, but there's an actual term Cooking. for that kind of stew. And and people have you know done it. You can do it now. You can make your own. You just have yeah, to throw the, stuff the in. old the old nursery rhyme about peas porridge hot, peas porridge cold, peas porridge in the pot nine days old. That it's literal, like. They would just leave it cooking the whole time and then it wouldn't go bad. And they would just keep adding things to it like, oh, look, now we've got some more of fill-in vegetable here. Let's add that hmm. to the pot. And yeah. Hmm. So yeah, Kaladin gets out of prison. and But only one thing's changed. No one will ever do this to him again. And, you know, he had the epiphany in prison that he, uh, he had to, he's going to have to surgerize King Elokar and all that. So... He gets out of prison. They're throwing a big party for him with three-week-old stew and uh, presented with a full set of shards, a shard blade and shard plate. Adolin presents it to him, and he says, no, I don't want it. Give it to Moash. And kind of, you know, a a little on edge, ready to react in case uh, Adolin treats him the same way that Amaram has in the past, right? And I think that this is pretty interesting is that Historically, there's no proof that Kaladin has done this before. Like historically, there's no Kaladin being presented with a shard blade in Amaram's army, and but now, like the fact that he's refusing this shard blade uh, from Adolin, and there are witnesses, and they're not slaughtering everybody in, as a result of it, uh, this kind of legitimizes Kaladin's claim against Amaram. Think about it. And already, Adolin is suspicious of Amaram because you know, like. Nobody's reputation is that good. Like even Dalinar, who has a really good reputation, is still known for his foibles and the mistakes that he's made in the past. So it's like there's no way Amaram is actually like this legendary perfect guy, you know. And if that's the image that he's presenting, then he's got to be hiding something, right? Uh, and then you know, right before Kaladin joins the party, he pulls Moash aside as he's getting the shard plate fitted to him and. He says, uh, he's like, oh, you told me you wanted to kill the king, right? Here's a shard blade, buddy. Go go get her done. Or something like that. Yeah, that's a direct like, quote from the book. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so, Kaladin portrayed in this scene and this scene only by Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> get her done. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's just kind of like giving Moash the tools to... Uh, do what his friends want as he's starting to agree with them. Time spent in prison and realizing that Elokar's irresponsibility led to ultimately Tien's death and everything. So, yeah, uh, this straight up gives him the shard blade. What's kind of interesting is that I would have thought he'd give... Well, Moash is a good candidate for getting the shards if we didn't know he was trying to kill the king. Um, but I also thought maybe like Teft would have been a better candidate. But Moash definitely could use them better than Teft. Yeah, uh, but... is probably the best warrior they have outside of Kaladin. Yeah. Like he's the most too. martially enabled. What about the Lopen? He could compensate for missing an arm. I mean, sharp blades are pretty light, so he could totally hold it with one hand. Yeah, I'm talking about the... There's, plate, a, there's, uh, plate a, joke. there's a joke here about arming the Lopen, but I just can't quite reach it. All right. Any questions about chapter 66? Did you nope. like it? Yeah. 
Yeah, what did you, what did you think of Adeline? Oh yeah, I mean, I thought it was. Uh, I, I really liked the little interchange that Adeline and Kaladin have when they both exit the prisons together, and it's just kind of like it's kind of funny because you know Adeline, gosh darn it, he tried his best to put himself in Kaladin's shoes, but he was bathed regularly, got fed better food, <laughs> meals, had sunlight and everything. But like, you know what? He it's didn't kinda have to like, do any of that, though. He didn't yeah. have to lock himself up. And it's kind of like when Solfrena brought the leaf to Kaladin. It's like, she didn't really get it, but gosh dang it, she tried her best to cheer Kaladin up and to sympathize with him. And Kaladin really saw through the details and at what the the gesture that Adolin was really trying to do for him, and he appreciated it. But they still, they're still frenemies. They, he still calls him spoiled princeling, and Adolin still calls him bridge boy. But Dave, they have a bond now. You have siblings. I, th- I think you know what this is like. I wouldn't call them frenemies. They're more like brothers now. You, you, you brothers. give each other a hard time, but you're generally fond. And for me, this chapter here is where Adolin, like, I started really liking his character. Like, yeah, same here. I mean, you really get to see not only the sympathy prison, but also that he's not taken in by Amaram. So it's like, wow, this, this guy's like actually got something going for him other than his looks at his dueling ability. It's funny that when you're nice to one of the main characters in the book that, that the readers tend to like, you're typically okay with that character. That <laughs> Like, hey, you're you're nice to the character I like. I think I like you, too. I don't know. Kaladin and Shallan hate each other, but it doesn't seem to do them any harm. Well, he hates well, they're, her. They're not directly <laughs> mean. They're not like they're not doing hatred. It's just more of I don't trust, trust you sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's basically the opposite of Pulaski in season two of TNG. She's what not to do. Adeline is what to do to make readers like a character. Yes, Adeline is what to do. <laughs> See, it's it's because he's sexy. Wink, fade out. Good night, everyone. Soiled shard plate. Oh, baby. All right, Dave. Tell me more. Tell me more. Chapter Like, does he have a car? He has a big horse. I know what you're going for, Mike. Yeah, that song's got some uh, suggestive lyrics in it. I'm not going to repeat it on our family-friendly podcast. So anyway, chapter 67. Uh, Spit and bile. Dalinivani walk. Pipe Fabriel dream. Shard blades and gems and stuff. Who will protect Dalinar? Kaladin, duh. <laughs> the most important words a man can say. High Prince Pizza Party. Speak of the devil, wit is here. I will never, ever, 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 ever write a song about Sivy. Sivy and Amaram are both pewter arms. <laughs> That's my favorite running gag on this podcast, I think. <laughs> Uh, Wit thinks Amaram is a jerk for some reason. I don't think Amaram really thinks that Kaladin is incapable of protecting. As I fear not a child with a weapon he cannot lift, I will never fear the mind of a man who does not think. Great quote from The Way of Kings. Uh, from the book within the book, not the book but that's the prequel to this book. Unlike a sword, scorn has only the bite you give it. And Dalinar goes to work. Uh, we'll cut it here. So this is the first... Uh, part of the party dalinar and ivani taking a walk there she's going on about fabrials and dalinar just doesn't care until she mentions that they've devised a new shard blade and he kind of like perks up like ah shard blade you say uh so 
It turns out that there was something important in those details. Something about the gems. The the gems allow the gems don't power the shard blades, but the gems allow their wielders to summon and dismiss them. Something like that. And it just kind of happened by accident. Like one dude, one herald or something, one day was like, "Oh, I'm going to ornament my sword with gems," and then it's like, "Oh, I could dismiss it and summon it now or something." I don't know. Um, Navani mentions. Who will remember is Dalinar's uh, deceased wife, and something. They go to the pizza party, and Wit is here. Yay! Uh, okay, then there's this lady, high lady in Ruthar's court, Sivi, and she is has a stack of papers under her arms, and she's handing them out. And I think Amaram is like trying to recollect them and get them off of people, but they're both able to move paper around quite easily, so they must both be pewter arms. Well, how else do you get papers on a desk instead of on the floor? Yeah. All right. Uh, So it turns out what these these papers are transcripts of Dalinar's visions and with some uh, made-up commentary supposedly written by Navani, but not really, according to her. And so Dalinar just kind of like embraces this insult and he's like, it's true. I've been having these visions. Uh, some stuff was made up, but if this is what it takes to get the, the truth that the almighty uh, is, is trying to reach our nation with and like Soviet. And he's like, well, from now on, every time I have a vision, I'm going to make a full report of it and send out a newsletter and, uh, every time you hear a high storm coming, just know that I'm I'm that being doing that vision stuff. Uh, and Wit thinks Amaram is a jerk for some reason. I like uh, I like how Amaram comes up to shake Wit's hand, and Wit's like, uh, he's like, "Ew, I'm not gonna shake your hand. I don't want to get that stuff on my hands. Whatever that stuff, whatever it is that you use to keep your hands clean, that's got to be strong stuff. I don't want to touch that." And Amaram's trying to tell Dalinar that Kaladin won't be capable of protecting, but like, I think Amaram probably remembers the dude that single-handedly took on a shard bear and saved his life. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. He seems like the kind of guy who might actually not know who Kaladin is. And Why yeah, would he good... remember some random dark guy? Please. <laughs> some good quotes, and then Dalinar says, uh, it's time to go to work. So I guess he had to leave the party early because he was on night shift. Unless he means go to work, like, mingling at the party and getting the word around and talking to people. That could be it, maybe. That's his job now. His job used to be doing murder at people, but now it's doing talking at people. Yeah, he's he's the Blackthorn-gone politician, as he says. All right, next half of Chapter 67. Purple moon, blue moon. How many moons are there? Three. Three? Yeah, three. three. Are they named after the different color wines? I don't remember. No, there's a the red wine and an orange. Never mind. Yeah, they're, they're no, there's like four different wines, but there's an orange one and a red one, I think. So, uh, uh yeah, never mind. But there's a purple moon and a blue moon. That's pretty cool. Hungry, hungry bridgemen. A benevolent tyrant is preferable to the disaster of weak rule. Wit is allowed to read the father of hatred. All right, so party's over. Dalinar, it's like, all right, Bridgman, you want to go and finish the leftovers? And they're like, they go straight over to the snack table and eat everything up. And Dalinar has a nice conversation with Wit. He says, Wit, am I I a tyrant? And Wit says, yes, you are. And Dalinar's like, 
oh, but I don't want to seize power. And Wit's like, eh, that's not really true. But this is a time of year for tyrants. A benevolent tyrant is preferable to the disaster of weak rule in Elokar. And uh, apparently Wit was talking about getting a copy of the vision leaflets that were being passed around. So Wit can read. What's this about? Uh, I think rules just don't apply because he's Wit. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, I think they actually explained that at some point. That oh, well, <laughs> Wit can read. That's not weird. There is one point where it mentions that like he's not quite a light eyes, but he's not a dark eyes. <laughs> he's Alrighty. he's just Wit. So Wit's just like I'm on your side for now. We don't have the same goals. You consider me a friend, and we're both we're both uh in opposition to. The father of hatred, which is somebody. Which at first I was thinking, well, maybe that's Frost, but Wit and Frost are friends. They say so in their letters. And uh, there's also the other, like Malfeasance or whatever, like the evil shard was. I forget. So uh, odium. Odium, mean, yeah. Means passionate hatred. That's that's what the term actually means. Odium, not Malfeasance, right? If if that helps you at all. Malfeasance, uh, malodorous what i was thinking of so odium hmm there's also maleficent on loan from disney <laughs> she related to malfeasance well in the original story she was one of like 20 fairies so maybe uh maybe all right uh i think that's about it for chapter 67 do go on chapter 68 bridges both literal and metaphorical i assume naughty Kaladin. Someone saw a flying, glowing dude. Is Kaladin doing what he thinks is right? Kaladin must find the words. Birthmark, dude. Who's that? The thing with the stuff is OP. There was a structure here once. Duh. Oh, that birthmark, dude. Literal chasm hanger. The end. Dang it, I wanted to make the chasm hanger joke. (laughs) So, chapter uh, 68. Kaladin... Can't use up, can't draw stormlight for some reason. And he's like, Sulfrena, what's going on? Are you punishing me? And she's kind of like regressing back to her like non bonded state a little bit. She's kind of like in and out. And, uh, huh. I wonder if Dalinar's wife could be a sprint. Anyway, um, so Sulfrena's like, well, you got to do what you think's right. And Cowden's like, I don't know what's right. So, kind of the problem is like, he, He's a uh, he's got this honor spren bonded to him, but he can't honor his promise to Moash and his promise to Dalinar at the same time. So, one way or another, this is going to weaken his bond with Sulfrena, and he's unable to draw Stormlight at all at this point. And Sulfrena's like the words you gotta find the words, <laughs> and then yeah. So Kalan was like, oh, is he doing what he thinks is right? It's like, oh, what's what should he do? And then this birthmark dude shows up, and I feel like I was supposed to remember who that was, and I didn't, but you figure it out by the end of the chapter. And then Kaladin has this great conversation with Adolin, and Adolin's like, why don't you take that shard plate? It'd be better, you know, to to have that if the assassin in white returns. And Kaladin's like, well, it's better to have, like, I'm capable of fighting a shard bearer. You've seen that. And so it'd be better to have Moash also able to come in and help. And at Adolin's like, oh, yeah, you can fight Shard Bears. You can do the thing. <laughs> and for a second, Kaladin's like, 
uh-oh, Adolin's on the maze. You know that I'm a lost radiant, blah, yada, yada. And he's like, and Adolin's like, with the stuff? <laughs> and Callan's like, you have no idea what you're talking about. But I I do uh, I do say, I do agree that the thing with the stuff is OP. And Kaladin is a force to be reckoned with. And so Shalon's also here. She's come here to do her research. She wants to see the uh, the chrysalis, chrysalis uh, like the remnants after they've drawn out the gem heart. She wants to take a picture of this like rock. She's like, she's like, Adeline, slay that rock for me. It's like what you know, like cut it with your sharp like. So he cuts it in half, and there's like white marble uh, deep inside, underneath all the creme. And Kaladin's like, "Oh, this was part of a structure once." And Kaladin's like, "You're not as dumb as you look." And oh, there's also a fun part where um, Kaladin says to Adel, and he's like, "You're good at not being unobnoxious for a prince." And he's, Adolin's like, "Thank you." And Shalon says, "That was an insult, dear." <laughs> That's pretty good. And then. Uh, we remember, oh, Birthmark Dude, that was a guy, what was the carpenter in Sadius's camp? I'm like, uh-oh, just because this guy one time worked for Sadius, he automatically is instantly going to betray and try to murder Dalinar. And sure enough, he was. Uh, so his bridge mechanism, he pulls a lever. Uh, well, I'm not 100% sure who's on the bridge, if there are multiple bridges. I think Dalinar and Shallan were there, or Shallan was on a different bridge. I forget. I'm not really so- sure. It was a little confusing when I read it, or maybe I read it too late at night, or I was distracted. Kaladin, so, Shallan, Dalinar, no. and Adolin are all on Cal- the bridge. Kaladin was at one end of the bridge. Shallan and Adolin were in the middle of the bridge. Dalinar was at the other end of the bridge. Kaladin yeah. goes running for Dalinar, but he's on the far side of the bridge. Adolin sees Kaladin freaking out, so he runs for his father. So Adolin gets Dalinar off the bridge, but then... Kaladin and Shallan are by that time in the middle of the bridge when it collapses. And there you have it, the chasm hanger. And they're dead forever, just like Yasna. Yep. Spoilers, Mike, man. We just Why saw them fall reading? into a chasm. No one survives that. Everyone knows it. Kaladin survived that once. Actually, no. the scene ended with them suspended coyote style over the chasm, so <laughs> we don't know if they fell yet. It's true. Maybe the lever doesn't work completely right and like the bridge only opens like six inches and they can just grab the side well coyote only falls because he looks down and that's when gravity starts working again it's true as long as they don't look down yeah and this isn't earth so gravity might be different anyway we don't know yeah and i mean there might be an updraft because they're closer to the origin all right uh do we have anything else dave wise for dave i don't think so for dave from dave about dave near dave Let's save the about Dave for when he's gone. Yes, true. What? I have a lot to say about me. (laughs) Hi. I don't doubt it. I'm single. And I'm funny sometimes. The end. Any questions? How much of that was true? Um I I said sometimes, but it's like a little more than that, I think. I think it sounded all true to me. (laughs) Well, if you love him so much, then you marry him. I mean he is indeed funny sometimes. So. All right, I'm out of here. Bye. Right, bye, Dave. Bye. All right, Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Okay, uh, what are we doing? 
We're talking about spoilers. Right, but I don't have anything, so what are we doing? I also don't have anything. Alright, guys. Sit down. Relax. Make sure you have a nice drink in hand. Uh, and we're going to talk about wit. I actually don't have Yay. a drink. Should I go get a drink? Sure. I remembered to get a drink, so you carry on, Craig. Okay. <laughs> Wait, are you really going, Mike? No. Okay. So yeah, uh, we get some wit stuff this week. Um, but the big thing I wanted to talk about is the discussion with Dalinar. And and this, for me, ties together with what has happened in uh, Rhythm of War and why I didn't really trust the fact that they were going with Wit's plan. Because as he specifically mentions, he's willing to let the world burn in order to achieve his goal. Um, we know he's trying to stop Odium, well, specifically race. He's trying to stop race. Um, that's why I didn't really trust that they were going along with Wit's agreement and plan. I felt like it it would have benefited him more than it benefited Roshar. But I mean, not that it matters too much anymore, because we keeping, have... Keeping Odium trapped on Roshar is bad for Roshar, because Odium's there. Yep. But it is good for the Cosmere. So, there you go. But th this this right here, I mean, I don't... I haven't trusted Wit slash Hoyd for a while. Um, basically, since I read Secret History, and I'm like... But, but at the time, I still trusted Kelsier, and now... I'm currently, I'm not sure if I trust Kelsier anymore, so I don't know who I could trust. Um, but you probably shouldn't have been trusting Kelsier at all, ever. <laughs> that was my first mistake. Um, but I was already sort of like skeptical about who he is. And I know he's a fan favorite, but I, I, I don't trust the dude. And and he's never given me a reason to trust him. He's He's up the stuff and we don't know what that stuff is. Yasna might be the one who knows the most now, and I'm not even convinced he's told her what his plans are. And I don't trust her. Yes, there, there's that. So anyway, um, yeah, so he's he's willing to watch the world crumble to get what he needs. Um, he he wants to destroy race because he feels like he's bad news, and and that's his end goal. And as far as we know, since Rhythm of War, he still thinks that that's his end. Like that's. From what we could tell, that's his end goal, and he doesn't know that Teravangian is currently holding the ODM shard. So he's still going to operate under that principle. Which I'm still not 100% following why Teravangian didn't come clean, because, like, Hoyd's beef was with race specifically, not the ODM shard race. So clearly he wants Wit to continue this vendetta. We just don't know why. But I suspect it's it's going to eventually lead to him being able to leave the uh, Rosharian system. Because from Teravangian's Terra perspective, based on what he was thinking, his goal is to leave the Rosharian system so he can save the Cosmic. Or at least that was what his first thought was. We don't know if that's that's going to remain true. Because um, I feel like the Shard's eventually going to gonna really, you know, hammer into his brain and, and start changing it. The, the intent will start warping. Teravangian, but that's not for a while. We still, we still got a number of centuries before that really starts applying. So, Teravangian's goal to leave the Rosharian system. Wit's goal, destroy race. Well, Wit's goal, keep race odium trapped on Roshar, destroy if possible. Okay, true. Um, and also, Wit does mention that he has to leave and he's not sure where. That's fortune. We don't know how he uses fortune, but he activates fortune to know that he has to be somewhere at a certain time. 
and he never knows why. He just is always at the right place at the right time. Yeah, he doesn't know what to do, but it usually involves talking to somebody. Sure. It's not like he can do much. He he can't physically hurt people. And for the most part, he can't physically be hurt. True. Certainly so... not in any sort of lasting way. I think he had to, like, go to a lot of effort to get a tooth knocked out and not, like, instantly regrow. So Fortune kicks in, and that's probably... I think this is where he goes to pick up Yasna, right? I don't think we see him again in this book. Probably. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, we see him again at the end. Sure. Uh, okay. Yasna. Yeah, but yeah, before I, I the Yasna scene. I don't think we see him again. How surprised then. is Dave going to be about that scene, by the way? Uh, not at all. <laughs> Do you think it's bad that we basically spoiled that Yasna's still around? He figured it out before we said anything. You know that. Yeah, but we don't usually confirm his theories like that. And we technically didn't still. We're just making fun of how incredibly obvious it is. I mean, I did call Yasna my waifu. Well, we saw her in the bath in book one. Okay. I mean, she's on the cover of Oathbringer, so if he's already bought his copy, then he knows. That's true. That makes me feel a little bit better. Um, I don't think I had anything else related to it, but if you guys want to chime in with something, feel free. I just wanted to talk that I don't trust him and a little bit about his motivation. Um, The story of Fleet... I think is my least favorite of his in the Stormlight book so far. I still want Brandon to release all of Wit's stories as like children's book. Yes, same. So there's Wandersail from the first book, Fleet from this book, The Girl Who Looked Up, Stood Up, definitely one of those verbs. That should probably be the first one he releases. From Oathbringer, and then... The, the Dog, dog and, the and the Dragon. The Dog and the Dragon, which yeah. is the best. I like that one too. It's extremely good. Yeah. With the real ending, not the the fake ending that he first mentions. So. Oh, you can do both. Okay. <laughs> what? Clue did like four endings. That's true, they did. But they had the power of Tim Curry behind them. <laughs> they had the power of like the greatest cast ever assembled for a film. So I still don't have anything. Craig, you got a second thing or are we leaving on Clue? Uh <laughs> So so Kaladin and Syl, of course, are having their difficulties, and we see her regressing into a windsprint. Um, she says it's because he's given an oath to both Moash and Dalinar. I think it's it's more that he's directly working towards not protecting someone. He's He's directly working towards the assassination of someone he's supposed to be protecting, which is worse than just giving his word to Moash. Oh, I've um, got a thing here. Yeah? Uh... So at one point here in a bit, the Stormfather claims that Kaladin killed Syl. Yeah, I yep. don't think that's true, and I don't think that's possible. Well, they, they say that a lot, though, that Spring can die, but then they're like, it's not a real death. Right. It, it never is a real death. So the death of Spren, the one that we know that actually sticks, is when they turn into a Deadeye. And well, Syl they're not even dead, though. Syl can't do that because she hasn't manifested as a Shardblade yet. At least not for Kaladin. Like, Kaladin isn't physically capable of doing that to her yet. Correct. And for all we know, there's more involved, given the fact that the Deadeye Sprint did it willingly. Like, there's something involved in them choosing to... Oh, no! Shallan did make Testament a Deadeye. Mm-hmm. It's something that changed after the Bay Edo Mishram was, was captured in some way. Now, suddenly, they could be Deadeyes. But Sprint can physically die, because that's what... Uh, what's his face? Isher? Ishar? Mm -hmm. What's his name? That's what he did. He's he's pulling Sprint into the physical realm, and that's they're dying because they don't have organs or anything to handle it. 
their we bodies also don't are really dying. know um we also don't really know how that dagger affected uh Tef's mm-hmm. friend Vendorana. True. But what Ishar's doing may not actually be killing the spren, just putting them in bodies and then killing those bodies. If those bodies were to transfer to the cognitive realm again, they might come back. We don't know. Mm. I I'm it's a little ominous. I'm I'm nervous and it's it's a little like hard movie type thing. It's a little scary. I don't know what he's up to and it's scary. But yeah, in this case, it's it's not any kind of death that we have seen. But I think I think if Kaladin was a full fifth ideal Knight Radiant and he did what he's doing, it would turn Syl into a dead eye. I th- I think that would have happened. But because he's only second ideal, it instead just regresses her into a, the wind sprint form, which is which is where she doesn't retain much of her mind. Right. He's for sure damaging his bond, but I don't know that it's actually causing damage to Sill in the same like at the same level that they're that they keep saying is happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're also Stormfather is right now a bit paranoid because of what happened in the past and how he blames the Night Radiance because I don't think he understood at the time what was happening. Stormfather is a drama spren, okay? <laughs> he really is. I thought he was a storm spren. Are you telling me he's a drama spren? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Man, Dalinar got saddled with that willingly at the end of this book, no less. It's okay be because funny. Dalinar is a drama high king. Is he? No. No, yes. he, doesn't, he doesn't seem to care too much about the drama. He specifically doesn't care about the drama and just like people will talk, whatever. I'm going to do my own thing until he goes all crazy to Elokar. That was in Way of Kings, though. Anyway. Melanor um, is really good at the drama. He's just reluctant to start the drama. But when the drama starts, boy, he's good at it. That does make them a good pair then, Dalinar and Stormfather. Except that it might not. Well, it's too late to change it, unless yeah. you're Ishtar. I mean, I guess we'll see what happens in Book 5, but Dalinar because sure is... Dalinar, Will we no. have the drama? Because Dalinar can be all like, okay, Stormfather, quit quit with your drama. It's not time for the drama. But then when it is time for the drama, Dalinar is really good at the drama with the full weight of the Stormfather behind him, who is also natural at the drama. Um, I just so. saw your, your post on the... Uh... On the Discord, Tori. Oh, yeah, that was in reference to Wit. I posted the gif from Office Space of the guy saying, okay, but I could set the building on fire. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's all I really had this week. We can end on that note. Huh. Would that work? Setting the building on fire? Uh, I mean, the building in this case being Roshar. So, if, I mean, that's basically what he said. After, okay, but like, if Hoyd were capable of it and then followed through on burning the whole planet down into cinders, killing everybody. Would that work? I don't think so. I think Odium would then be free of the oath. Well, or the... he'd still be stuck there, we... but he wouldn't have any toys to play with. The heralds we are still... read that contract. Well, the, the heralds aren't mortal, though. They're cognitive shadows. Yep. So it'd be them and Vasher, basically, just hanging out on this lifeless rock. And Vasher would be like, finally! <laughs> My own personal rock, just what I wanted. People leave me alone. My gosh. I I don't know. I think we need to read the contract. Or sorry, the the oath. The oath pact. Flip of the word. Gotta read that darn oath. Yeah. Gotta find the most important words a man can say. But I, I mean, I don't think 
Wit would be capable of doing that, although he could be setting things up to go along that path. I don't think he personally can do it. He's he's only setting up the dominoes. Someone else has to push them. I mean, that's part of what I'm worried about. This is why I don't think they should have went with Wit's plan in the first place to for the for the contest. I don't trust the dude. Well, you shouldn't in this case. That's right. Anyway, we can end on a ha- happy note here. Don't trust Wit. The end. That's that's the summary. Okay. If you Bye, take everybody. anything from our podcast, it's don't trust Wit. And yeah. you gotta be doing secret stuff sometimes. Don't trust Wit. Don't trust Ishar. Don't trust Yasna. Moash <laughs> isn't as bad as he gets made out to be. <laughs> what? You cannot you say that? that anymore. You cannot. He killed Teff. Get out. This is done. Moash has crossed so many lines. There's no way. Teft died happy. Did he, though? Yes. It said so in the book. That doesn't mean you, you still... He still killed a dude. doesn't matter if he's happy. Doesn't it? Yeah, we weren't happy about it. All right. Moash isn't that bad. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Good night, Internet. Bye. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.